With Oklahoma traveling south this weekend to Waco to take on Baylor, I thought it appropriate to look back on a past matchup with the Bears, one that still makes Sooner fans cringe. On November 8, 2014, 12th-ranked Baylor invaded Owen Field and absolutely embarrassed the University of Oklahoma football team, ranked number 15 at the time. The Sooners had just come off arguably their most impressive performance of the season, a 45-point victory over Iowa State on the road where they gained over 700 yards of offense. That was preceded by two earlier losses by a combined five points to Kansas State and TCU. What better way to get your disappointing season back on track than welcoming in the beatable defending Big 12 champs on your home turf? Things, unfortunately, did not go to plan. After taking a 14-3 lead at the end of the first quarter, Oklahoma apparently thought the game was over. Baylor did not. The Bears would go on to score on seven of their final eight drives, including five consecutive touchdown drives starting in the second quarter. Bryce Petty would throw for 387 yards. Corey Coleman would catch 15 balls for 224 yards. Sean Oakman would temporarily paralyze Trevor Knight on a dirty hit in the second half. In what could only be described as a feeling of helplessness, OU defensive coordinator Mike Stoops would continually play defensive backs 10 to 12 yards off the Bears' wide receivers on every single play. Bryce Petty continuously throwing 8-yard curl routes to Corey Coleman would later provoke Sooners defensive back Julian Wilson to get in a visible shouting match with Mike Stoops on the sideline. All in all, Baylor scored the final 45 points of the game and straight up whooped the Sooners 48-14. to It is unequivocally the most embarrassing defeat of the Bob Stoops era, unequivocally. However, fast forward to 2017, and these programs are going in completely opposite directions. About eight months after the beatdown, Lincoln Riley had already been installed as the next offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, and Baker Mayfield had just won the quarterback competition with Trevor Knight. The rest is history, albeit recent history. OU went on to win the Big 12 in 2015 and make the college football playoff. They added another conference championship last year, and are two weeks removed from their biggest non-conference win in nearly 17 years. Meanwhile, Baylor has been embroiled in a rape scandal that cost Art Bryles his job and reputation, as well as gutted their roster with, di- with dismissals and transfers. So far in 2017, the Bears have gone winless in their typical soft non-conference slate. Matt Rule may do some good things in his tenure at Baylor, but currently, it's hard not to think that Baylor may be retaking their rightful place at the bottom of the Big 12. I hope those 45 consecutive points on November 8, 2014 were worth it for Baylor. If the trajectory of both programs since that game are, indi- are any indication, I think most of Sooner Nation would say it's a fair trade-off. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest. Mayfield, looking, looking. Scrambling, retreating, fires to the end zone for a touchdown to Flowers. That play is kind of symbolic of the night and the season that Baker Mayfield has had for this Oklahoma Sooners offense. That touchdown gives Oklahoma a 10-point lead inside of five minutes to go and may have been the crucial play to help the Sooners get some payback against Baylor. 
Baker Mayfield keeping the play alive and finding Dimitri Flowers for the touchdown late in the fourth quarter and OU's 44-34 win over Baylor back on November 14th, 2015. That, of course, was the last time the Sooners went into Waco, and that was a huge win as OU was ranked 12th at the time and knocked off the Bears, who were ranked 6th. Welcome into West of Everest. I am Lee Benson. Those in the Oklahoma City area may know me from KWTV News 9. I've been in the sports department there for almost one full year, and I've been around this OU football team a decent amount of time since Bob Stoops retired in June and Lincoln Riley took over as the Sooners head coach. You heard my brother Grant's take at the top of the show. He's a diehard Sooner fan and knows more about the team than I do, something I'm not ashamed to admit. We'll bring Grant back here in a moment, and I'll ask him if Baylor is really as bad as we all assume the Bears are. But first, I want to remind you that West of Everest is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you've enjoyed listening to the show so far, please leave us a rating and a review. All feedback is much appreciated. And if you'd like to contact us, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Lee Benson News 9. Grant is at Grant Benson 25. Also, you can email the show. The email address is westofeverest at gmail.com. Okay, so Grant and I need an answer to this question. And I'm going to ask Grant the question first because he's the only other person on this podcast with me. Grant, is Baylor, who is 0-3 so far and who lost to Liberty and UTSA, quite simply a terrible football team? Lee, I'm going to cheat a little bit uh, with answering this question. And I'm going to say maybe? question mark um but i can't okay. i i can say for sure though that they're not a good football team they're they're certainly not good are they terrible i don't know if i'm if i'm quite ready to say that they're terrible but they're definitely not good at least they are not the same baylor that we've seen for the last five or six years uh, mind you uh so I, I really don't know what know, know what to expect to be honest with you, Lee. I've I've, I've watched uh, watched some tape on Baylor. I've watched a little bit of their first three games. They certainly don't look good, but they do flash some athletic uh, some athletic potential that uh, a couple of OU's previous opponents have not had. Um, so really, this this game is a big old question mark. I think where they they they, they could be going into uh, to a surprising element, or they could uh, basically just show up and win the game. Who knows? So I'm of the mind that to answer that question, is Baylor a terrible football team? My answer is no. And get a load of this. This is going to sound like I'm a Baylor homer and I'm trying to spin something. But here's what I found. Okay, yeah, the Bears did lose games to Liberty and UTSA. But at least both of those schools are still unbeaten. And that means Baylor didn't lose to a completely awful FCS team or a completely awful mid-major team. And in fact, with Duke being 3-0 and and then now OU being 3-0, and Baylor's combined opponents, Grant, so far are 11-0. and So Lincoln Riley says that when you turn on the tape and you watch Baylor, you still see a lot of really good players. And I trust Lincoln Riley. I mean, of course, he's going to say that. He's not going to say they look like trash. But he's right. I mean, we've watched some film. I've watched film. You have. They do have some good players. So, so I'm in the camp of Baylor really isn't as terrible as we all kind of think they are on the surface, at least through three games. They're not as terrible as I think a majority of Sooner fans think they are going into this game, just based off of the, their first three games. Um, you're, you're probably looking at a team that's that's closer to um, you know Texas Tech in quality, um, and not quite um, you know not quite Kansas, you know as, you know the worst they've been. 
um, at least based off of what I've seen on tape. And, and mostly what I've seen is, um, just to put it put it as bluntly as humanly possible, uh, just on the surface area while we're getting into it, uh, their defense is atrocious. It's atrocious. Um, I, th- I think a lot of that has to do with them missing some guys, and you'll talk about that uh, later on in the podcast pretty, sh- pretty soon. Um, and on the offensive side of the ball, um, I see their their playmakers, their offensive skill players, flash some athletic ability and some skill. Um, other than that, they're they're pretty limited. What, what do you think, Lee? Just on the surface area? Yeah, I wouldn't say the defense is atrocious. Okay, that's a tease. You mentioned we're going to talk about it later. I, I think atrocious is too strong of a word. But before we get into it real quick, a roadmap of the show. And if you've been listening, you know what we do here in the second show of the week. We talk about Oklahoma and the team they're playing this in this case it's Baylor we'll go over the Oklahoma offense against the Baylor defense the OU defense against the Baylor offense so on and so forth we'll break down all angles of this game we'll talk to you about what we want to see from this game what will happen in this game and then when we're all done talking about OU versus Baylor Grant and I will talk about the Big 12 and we'll talk about the national scene and also we will give our top 10 for the second time we'll see if our top 10 has changed and then at the very end of the show quickly we'll make some picks so first off we're going to talk about that Baylor defense Grant and so some numbers that back up what you say and you say that Baylor is atrocious okay right now they're 110th in the nation in total defense that's awful that's a terrible number they're allowing the Baylor's uh, ba- the Bears are they're allowing 33 points per game so yeah uh, it looks bad on paper and Grant you seem to think it's bad so okay so I watched the Duke game And, you know, I'm going to say the defense is not as bad as you're saying it is because Baylor has gotten better defensively with each game it plays. So, for instance, Baylor was awful against Liberty in week one. Atrocious would be a proper word, would be a a word that definitely would describe Baylor's defense in week one against Liberty. And plus, it was on the field, the defense was for Baylor, for 38 minutes in that game. So Liberty controlled the clock as well. So I guess my point is that if this was still week one or if it was week two, I would say, yes, this defense is really, really that bad and really atrocious. But but against Duke last week, Baylor's defense wasn't atrocious. However, though, the Bears, and we saw this in week one, Baylor is very susceptible to big plays. All three of Duke's touchdowns on offense in that game came from 34 yards out, 50 yards out, and 65 yards out. And I'd like to think that OU's offense has a lot more big playability than Duke. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. In fact, actually, I'm glad you mentioned Duke because I'm I'm sitting here and I actually have the the Duke game on my TV as we're recording this right now. Um, I, I I will concede that Baylor played played a lot better on defense against Duke, um, with the caveat that Duke is is a very limited offensive team. I mean, a very very limited offensive team. Um, just watching their first few drives here, um, I, I would say that Liberty is most likely a better offensive team than Duke is. Um, I, I do want to go back to that Liberty game, Lee, uh, because Liberty did literally everything that they wanted against Baylor. They they did Baylor pretty much. See, this is good because I yeah. didn't have a chance to really watch much of that game. L- so you can kind of L- talk more about that one. Baylor pretty much failed to stop Liberty at at all turns, and it's mostly. Um, I I just think, especially in that state or in that part of the game, Baker Mayfield is going to have an absolute heyday on Saturday. Um, it, Liberty's quarterback just shredded Baylor's secondary. Um, 
Liberty actually had some pretty decent wide receivers. That's that's one thing I noticed. Uh, but th- th- they were decent. They as in that I, I think they they could have they could be pretty solid players at the Division One level. Um, and they they shredded Baylor. I mean it was it was almost laughable. The, the, the Baylor defensive backs looks like the FCS players and the Liberty's, you know, wide receivers looks, looked <laughs> okay. like the FBS players. Um, so I, I know Baylor, uh, on the back end, uh, of, on defense is very young. Um, they might be having some more, uh, some more experienced guys coming back this weekly. Is that right? Yeah. So that's, that's a good transition because all those players that you saw that Baylor trotted out there against Liberty, at least in the secondary, it's probably going to be different. Because cornerback Grayland Arnold, cornerback Jordan Tolbert, safety Tyon Sells, all three players in the secondary that are starters or, or presumptive starters are now returning to the Baylor defense. Three of those guys, uh, two of those guys are, were out with injuries. Sells was suspended for the first three games. And then also a linebacker, Lenoy Jones Jr., is also going to be back for Baylor, and he was out with an injury. So that's four players on defense that Baylor will have back against Oklahoma who had, they have not had in the first three games of the year and I, I'll you know full disclosure uh, from last season I'm I'm not particularly familiar with any of those players um, so I will say it now I, I don't think that they're huge impact players um, for Baylor um, but when you're talking about going up against you know in a game going up against Baker Mayfield it's probably good to get three defensive backs you know back into your lineup uh, just from a depth perspective and they're going to need all the depth they can get because if you know if if they trot out the same four guys in the secondary as they did against Liberty, they Baylor will get absolutely run off the field, it, it, at least defensively, based off of what I saw in that Liberty game. They, they they do look quite a bit better in this Duke game. However, like I said, Duke very, very limited um, offensively, especially throwing the ball downfield. To your point, you mentioned that Liberty was able to torch Baylor's I mean, secondary. Yeah. And and Baylor has not seen a uh, an, an offense that can throw the football like Liberty, which sounds ridiculous to say. Because yeah, li- Liberty, wow, who knew they're just a an offensive juggernaut. Which I looked at their schedule, and they have scored a bunch of points in yeah. their other two games and, since Baylor. And, and I also do want to the Liberty's quarterback in that game, I believe, threw the ball sixty times, and he he, he did throw for oh it, it was about four hundred like five hundred. Yeah, it was it, it, it he was threw over five hundred. Was it? I I I I thought it was somewhere like four fifty or four eighty or something like that. Whatever you're okay, maybe maybe the total offense yeah. was over five hundred. And so you're that's what it was. when you think to yourself. All right. Well, he threw sixty times, so of course he did. I, man, Liberty's quarterback's not very good, <laughs> and you, you, you could tell he was. Uh, they they gave him a lot of really easy throws, and he still kind of struggled to complete those. But man, he he had receivers running wide open on the second level a, a lot in that game. Um, and, and I just unless they unless Baylor has improved greatly, you know, since then, I, I just I can't really see. Um, you know, minus just a really terrible game from the Oklahoma offense, how Oklahoma's not going to do just whatever they want in this game offensively. Well, Baylor has played better the last two games against the pass after getting torched by Liberty. But to Grant's point, Duke's quarterback, Daniel Jones, did not look particularly skilled as a passer in that game against Baylor. And, f- and Oklahoma's going to be a whole different animal than um, UTSA and Duke, obviously. They're going to be a lot more – this sounds crazy. They're going to be a lot more like Liberty than the other two teams Baylor has played. <laughs> so how about the Baylor defensive line? They can This this unit can actually get after the quarterback, Grant. Baylor's got nine sacks in three games. They had five against Duke. And I know you mentioned that they weren't particularly great offensively. 
Uh, I mean, still, Baylor has more sacks this year than Oklahoma has. So, I mean, that's that's something. But uh, it, it it will is was is worth noting that all Big Twelve defensive end KJ Smith is not expected to play against Oklahoma. I guess he's got he's had shin splints, which. If if that's like a, a multiple week injury, that's got to be some really bad shin splints. I've heard shin splints are like unbearably painful. So I mean, I've had it before, but it hasn't lasted days and days and days, or yeah. in this case, weeks. That's insane. So it, yeah, I you know what? As far as far as that goes, I I honestly in in, in the the games that I've watched, I haven't seen um a, much of a pass rush flash on screen at all. I I, I definitely didn't against Liberty. It's a, the Liberty quarterback had there was a lot of plays where he had pretty much all day to throw. Um, so as far as that goes, I know, I know Matt rule does have a reputation from his temple days of being a very exotic blitzer. Um, so they, they might, uh, they might dial up some blitzes that can get some pressure. Um, as far as that, uh, as far as the defensive line doing a lot of damage in terms of rushing Baker Mayfield, I, I don't, I don't see how that's going to be a, a huge deal to be honest with you. It, they, I, I just haven't really seen much, and especially with K.J. Smith out, I haven't really seen much in their front four to suggest that they're going to be able to get after the quarterback without sending extra bodies. Well, of course, just to put things into context, the Oklahoma offensive line, who we both agree is the best unit in the country, and that, that's, a, that's a widely held uh, take by a lot of people. Oklahoma's not going to face a defensive line better than Ohio State's unless they go up against Clemson at some point later in the season if they end up meeting in the college football playoff or in a bowl game. Yeah. So uh, obviously Baylor, Baylor's defensive line is nowhere near as good as Ohio State's or probably nowhere near as good as some of the other defensive lines Oklahoma will face. But it is worth it is worth mentioning, though. I mean, Baylor got constant pressure on Duke. I mean, five sacks, 12 tackles for loss in that game. Also had five quarterback hurries. Keep an eye out for defensive tackle Ira Lewis. Dude wears like number nine. He's 6'3", 290. Just looks like a massive monster mm -hmm. out there. But at the same time, he's just one player. Uh so you would hope that Oklahoma will be able to handle him. And, yes, Baylor does blitz quite a bit. I'd say 25 30% of the time. It just makes you wonder, though, if they're going to be able to get away with that, though, going up against Oklahoma. I'm not sure if yeah. Baylor will be able to. And, you know, that that's something that it's it's been well publicized, you know, in the Twitters first and amongst college football stats nerds. Um, Baker Mayfield is dynamite against the blitz, and he, he has been. Um, his entire career here at Oklahoma. I know if you if you subscribe to the the Pro Football Focus, I know they have a college football division and they they grade some Big Twelve games. And Baker Mayfield was the number one quarterback in the country last year in terms of quarterback rating when facing a blitz or under pressure. So he's he he is dynamite um, uh, under pressure and if any team is blitzing him, uh, generally. So we've talked a lot about Baylor's defense so far. Now let's talk about Oklahoma's offense. And question for you, Grant: How do you propose Oklahoma attacks this Baylor defense on Saturday? Well, I, I they've been they've been a little bit better against the run, um, but nothing nothing dominant. Um, so I I would hope they attack them like they do you know any game. I, I hope they they establish the run. Right, right. They, they control the line of scrimmage. Um, having been said, you know, having said that, they can that if they want to come out throwing, I think they have, they have an opportunity to have a lot of success doing that. And I don't think it would necessarily be a terrible idea um, to come out throwing and just get, you know, get Baker, you know, a rhythm, get some confidence going. Um, I, I, going up against a defense like this, I, I don't, I don't really think there's any wrong way to attack it unless you're just going to throw, you know, a 50 yard bomb, literally every single play. Um, <laughs> yeah. That would be I, this, a bit aggressive. Yeah. I, I, I just don't really see Baylor having the horses to stop what OU is going to throw at them either way. 
you know, they, they, they could run the ball 75% of the time and still, and you know, still put up a lot of yards and a lot of points. And, you know, they could throw the ball a lot and still put up a lot of yards and a lot of points. Um, how, how I would like to see them attack Baylor. I, I, I would like to see them attack them through the air at first, because that's, that's going to be their biggest weakness, the back seven, um, especially over the middle of the field. Um, their, their linebackers on tape while I'm watching this while they're in space, look a little slow. Um, especially number five is one of the guys who looks really slow out there for Baylor's defense. He's a linebacker. Um, I, the, the Sooners are really going to be able to attack them in a lot of different ways. And, and I just, I'm just not sure if Baylor's going to have an answer for it. Well, looking back to last season's game, when both teams played Norman, Oklahoma had over 250 yards rushing against the same Baylor team. And I'm sure Lincoln Riley, Baker and Mayfield and company have watched a lot of that film a bit this week. So I would anticipate Oklahoma will try to run the football a lot. Baylor's actually been pretty weak against the run. So it would be nice to see the Sooners try to establish that game early, see if they can pop off some big plays like Duke was able to do. Yep. And plus, Duke's, Duke's got two really good running backs. Actually, Grant, I don't know how much you've been watching, but the two running backs that Duke trots out there are pretty, pretty darn good, and they exploited Baylor's defense and, and ran really physical, both of them. As we know, Oklahoma's got four pretty good running backs, and I think three of those guys have the ability – to break off eye-popping big plays. So that's something to watch out for as far as Oklahoma's running backs breaking out and breaking and breaking some tackles and making some Baylor players miss. I didn't see anybody in, you know, the the two, two and a half hours of, of, of tape I've watched just really jump out at me, um, especially especially in their secondary. I, I Their secondary is the worst I've seen on tape of any of the teams that OU has seen, and that includes UTEP and Tulane. So I'm I'm really interested to see you know, how, how, how OU attacks this defense, because I, I think they're going to have whatever they want on the back end. Well, then the big interest will be how much effect the new players in the Baylor secondary of will course. have on yeah. this game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, they so, could, they could come in and they could be, you know, they could be all world guys. I mean, I doubt it, but you know, I think you always have to, to leave a little room for, you know, maybe that being a possibility. And speaking of those players in the secondary coming back for Baylor let's talk about what the worst case scenario would be for this Oklahoma offense going up against this Baylor defense and as far as I'm concerned the worst case scenario would be those those returning players that Baylor's getting back in the secondary will greatly improve that Bears pass defense and in turn Baylor's front seven then is able to control the running game pretty well and those big plays Baylor gave up last week against Duke just don't really happen against Oklahoma because the linebackers in secondary are able to, to do their assignments and not miss any tackles. So I think that that would be the worst case scenario for the Oklahoma offense this weekend. Yeah, um, I, I, I could I, I, I suppose I could envision a scenario where they're not incredibly successful in offense. A lot of that would have to do with them shooting them uh, shooting themselves in the foot. I, I'm saying like throwing a lot on first and second down and Baker just being off. Um, you know, putting them in third and long a lot, um, you know, unless Matt Rule, you know, really does drop these really exotic blitzes. But I, I, I just think that, you know, their linebackers just are just are not that athletic. So I, I don't really know how that's going to be unless unless they bring it from a bunch of different different angles. I it, it's going to be if if their offense is not successful in this game, it's because they didn't play well. I, I think is is the best way to put it. And I know how boring that is, but I. I, I really can't stress enough how uh, how not impressed I am with Baylor's defense based off of what I've seen so far. And obviously, best case scenario for Oklahoma's offense is that the Sooners keep the status just quo it, and they're just, a machine and yep, they do what they've just been do doing. Just do what they want to do, and which which I think there's there's a pretty decent likelihood of that being the case. 
All right, so let's switch over to the Oklahoma defense facing up, facing off against the Baylor offense. And it all starts for Baylor with quarterback Zach Smith. And he'll make his second start of the season on Saturday against OU. And you may remember Zach Smith if you're a diehard Oklahoma fan because he came in for Seth Russell last year when Russell had his ankle bent the total opposite direction against Oklahoma and had to come out of that game. And in that game against OU, uh, Smith was n- nothing flashy. He was 6 of 15, 144 yards, had a long touchdown pass to KD Cannon, almost had a, uh, not almost, also had a rushing touchdown. So he counted for two touchdowns in the second half. Uh, Grant, I know you said you've been watching that Duke game, but what have you seen from Zach Smith so far on, on film? Um, he is, he's got a good arm. He's a good athlete. He's, he, he's generally yeah, pretty inaccurate with the ball. Um, and I think his numbers, you know, last year when he, when he came in relief for, uh, for Seth Russell over the course of the season, just didn't complete a very high percentage of throws. Um, you know, it was six for 15 in that OU game. Um, I know in this, in this Duke game, I think he only was like 12 of 35 or something like that, yeah, which is was, that, and that's, bad. that's really bad. I, I can't even stress how bad that is. Um, and the guy playing quarterback before him, um, make sure I get his name right. A new Solomon was even worse. Yeah. I and mean, he was like completing like 40% of his passes. I, I'm glad you brought which that. I guess technically. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. The, basically Baylor quarterback so far this year have been been pretty bad really inefficient um and i'm glad you brought up a new solomon because that, that was one of the things that i stored away in my brain when i was watching it um because i did see the little blurb earlier today on twitter that he is he's been ruled out uh, for this game with an injury uh the game against ou and uh, he has concussion yep. concussion symptoms i believe yep. is what it is and uh baylor got a break because the new solomon's he's terrible um so they're just just watching him against against liberty he was so bad and i I remember a new Solomon from, you know, from watching him play at Arizona. He was really bad at Arizona. Um, you know, Zach Smith is, is Baylor's best quarterback. I, I don't really understand why new Solomon was starting for them. Um, so had to have been just a seniority grad transfer kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It had it to had have been. been maybe, maybe they felt that he was, he was the best to run their, their new system. I'm actually using new in air quotes there because they're not, they're not really running the full on Matt rule offense yet. Um, but it's uh yeah in my notes i wrote down baylor probably better with smith as opposed to solomon uh, definitely i, I know <laughs> a new solomon was he he, he added um kind of a, a little edge a, to running, element. a running element um he looked mm-hmm. slow against liberty uh didn't didn't look to have much of a running element to be honest with you um so the sooners don't quite get a break i, I would say if a new solomon was playing then Baylor would be in more trouble than they already are, um, but uh, Zach Smith, they, Baylor at least does have have the right guy in there, um, you know, for this game. And we mentioned that Baylor gets a lot of players back on the defensive side of the ball. The Bears get one key guy back on the offensive side of the ball, running back Terrence Williams, a, a thousand plus yard rusher last year, will return and, and make his first appearance this Saturday against OU. He missed the first three games of the season, recovering from off season shoulder surgery. So Grant. How much of a boost do you think Baylor's going to get from Williams being back in the uh, in the lineup? He's good. Um, I think he's really good. Um, I've he's a guy that you know I've been watching at Baylor for the last couple of years, and he's he's a guy who flashes, and he's he's really good. He can only help Baylor. He's not going to hurt him, uh, assuming he is a hundred percent. I mean, there I, I guess there is, you know, there is a possibility that he's just not a hundred percent yet, and maybe they'll just kind of ease him in, and he won't get the lion's share of the carries. 
Um, I, I know the the starting running back in that Liberty game was Jamichael Hasty. I think he's hurt, and I think he's out for this game. Um, and Jamichael Hasty was a solid player as well. Um, so the Sooners get a little bit of a break with him not being in the lineup. Uh, but having been said, Terrence Williams, he, he's an All Big Twelve type back. He's he's a good player. Um, I, I I'm not sure if he's going to have a lot of room to run um, because. The, I guess the nicest I can be about Baylor's offensive lineup at this point is that it's been just a swinging gate. But well, you know, I, you never know. Weird, weird stuff happens in conference. I'm glad you brought up Jamichael Hasty because I must not have done enough research because I was not aware that he was out. And to me, he was a key player for Baylor because I look back at last season's game when OU played Baylor and Norman, and, and Hasty was the Bears leading rusher yep. in that game Williams didn't really do anything he only had five carries 17 yards and and Hasty had the most carries against Oklahoma last year but he still only averaged uh less than four yards per carry so it's not like he was he was great against mm-hmm. against the Sooners and with him being out uh Baylor Baylor's really struggled so far this year running the football with freshman John Lovett yeah and so I mean Williams you got to think he'll do more than just five carries for 17 yards this You're, time around against OU, I mean that's that's not saying a whole lot. Especially but, uh, if the one guy you know that they have behind him is is a true freshman, Love it. So the the, yeah. the 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 other the only other running backs I saw, uh, Love it was really the only running other running back I saw in that Liberty game besides Hasty. So I I do know for a fact that Jamichael Hasty in this in this Duke Baylor game that's on my TV right now, he's definitely hurt in this game and not playing. Um, I, I do. Yeah, he's out. I just looked it okay. up. He he got injured in the Liberty game. Yep. And he was supposed to so miss like, I, like four weeks. Okay, okay, good. So we're we're right on that. I not good that he's hurt. I you know I don't want him to be hurt, but I I I, I did see him get hurt in that Liberty game, and and he he's more of kind of a of a bigger guy. He he's he's more of a guy who who looks for contact. He's not gonna not gonna try to race you to the to the sideline or anything like that. But it's. It's uh, in terms of you know winning a game for the Sooners. It's always good you know if, if the other team is a little is a little light in depth at at a at a position, especially an important position. Um, you know, like running back has been at Baylor the last you know decade. And while Will while Williams will be an upgrade certainly at running back for Baylor, I think in general though the Bears running game just it's just not very good this year, and the reason for that. I think could be that the offense doesn't really know what it wants to be. And, and Matt, yeah, I mean, you're probably going to talk more about it, but Matt rule, he wants to do kind of a mixture of the spread with some tempo, but also with some big sets and, and Baylor just kind of seems like they're all over the place and not really sure of their identity on offense. That's exactly what I thought too. Um, so I, I actually watched, uh, I'm not going to say I watched a lot of temple when Matt rule was there, but I mean, I, I caught them on TV whenever they were playing Penn state and, you know, I saw them, you know, playing some conference championship games and they, they ran a, a smash mouth pro style offense, you know, under center, probably 75% of the time. Um, and I, I found it, I, I just, I just kind of figured Matt rule would bring, you know, the same sort of offense to Baylor. Um, and I thought that was interesting because I, in my head, I was thinking, well, Baylor certainly doesn't have the personnel to run that offense. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what they're going to do as first year there. Um, you know, they've, for most of what I've said, I'd say about 80% of the time I've watched them, they've been in the shotgun and they look, they look like they're, they're trying to find like a balance between the art Bryles and Matt rule offenses, which I think if it's something that worked out for them, they would be praised for it. But because it's not working out, I would, I would suggest that they, that they just, they pick one and they, they stick with it. 
because I there was I haven't I didn't see it in the UTSA game or I haven't really seen it in the in the Duke game either. But against Liberty, um, when they were having a little more success offensively and they were you know their defense had been on the field a long time, there was about ten consecutive plays um, in the second quarter where they were straight up under center and they were in the I formation and they were just running you know and then they went away from that you know as as the game progressed and they were in the shotgun running Art Bryles uh, principled run uh, you know a run attack about 80% of the time. So I, I'm curious as to what they're going to come out with against OU. Um, I really don't know because they, they, they really don't have the personnel to run that, you know, the, the smash mouth run up the middle type offense. Um, but their, their offensive line has been such an issue for them that they're not necessarily able to, you know, to run the ball with those giant wide sets out of the shotgun on the offensive line, like Art Bryles' teams were so famous for doing, just because they're just not they're just not good up front at all. Lee, let's talk about the wide receivers. And I was looking at some some season preview publications, and apparently the Baylor wide receivers are supposed to be the strength of Baylor's offense. And as I've watched some film on them, I would say that yes, Baylor's wide receivers are the strength of this offense if they can get the ball in space and and that hasn't happened as much as they would would have liked it to so far this year a couple uh players to look out for that that will probably have a, an impact on this game especially if they're able to get into open space chris platt he had two very long touchdown catches against duke he's a track guy looks like he just glides when he's in the open field easily the biggest playmaker on baylor's offense as far as i'm concerned Pooh Strickland is supposed to be a good wide receiver. Didn't see much of him on film against Duke. Uh, they have a huge target in Denzel Mims. He looks like he's about seven foot tall. He's massive, but 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 he's he's listed at just six three. He looks uh, he looks he, massive on TV. He looks yeah he looks like he should be playing basketball and playing center for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And by massive uh, and, by massive I mean tall. He's not particularly muscular right, or anything like right. that. Yeah. And he had a he had a nice touchdown catch against Duke on a on a post pattern. Uh, the problem is though with Baylor's offense, as we've kind of touched on this already, is that Zach Smith only completed 12 passes last week. And and that Duke secondary actually is pretty good. 20th in the nation in pass efficiency defense. And that's great and all for Duke. OU is 11th in the nation in that same stat. So on paper, the Sooners certainly have the upper hand when it comes to Baylor throwing the football on Saturday. Yeah, um, and I'm glad you brought up the wide receivers. They, they are... Um, I, I suppose the the one part of the team where if if, if theoretically if OU is going to lose this game, it's going to be because their wide receivers um, had a big game. Uh, Zach Smith was able to get get them the ball in space, and I, I I'm just I, I am a little skeptical of their ability to just to honestly just get downfield um, and have enough time just to get open before the offensive line just falls apart um, because they Baylor has been that bad up front. Um, but I, 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 I suppose I could see some scenarios where, uh, because Baylor's wide receivers are athletic, they are, they're good. Uh, Baylor has good wide receivers probably in the top half of the big 12 and in, in, in terms of their quality at that position. Um, I, I, I could definitely see them, um, I, I guess making some big plays, mostly with Chris Platt. The other two guys are more possession type, bigger guys, um, who can go up and get the ball. Um, but I, I, I'd be lying to you if I, if I said that Chris Platt didn't scare me. He, he scares me just a little bit. So the next question we're going to tackle here, Grant, and I think this is a big one that a lot of OU fans will be wondering going into the Baylor game. Should we be expecting Oklahoma's defense to come out flat like they were against Tulane last week? I, I hope not. Um, the kind of the skeptical OU fan in me 
sort of you know expects them maybe to come out flat just like they it seems like they have in a lot of games the last handful of years um i i hope they come out and just kind of you know put their put their foot on their neck right away but you never know it, it they've they've also shown you know a propensity in the last few years of um, you know, coming out flat and then settling in once they get a good idea of what the offense is going to do. Um, and honestly, you, you never really know. Baylor could come out with a with with a totally chore- choreographed first drive with lots of trick plays and a lot of weird motions and sets that the Sooners haven't seen before, and they just get confused. Um, having said that, though, I just I Baylor is so weak up front, and and that was one of the one of the big deals with Art Bryles. They, they were always really strong up front. They always had one of the better offensive lines in the country. And now I think they're they're just so young and and youth on the offensive line in college football is just is just a death it's it's a death knell. I say there's no way that Oklahoma comes out flat two games in a row. I, the Sooners are more familiar with Baylor and with Big Twelve play beginning and with the thoughts of winning another Big Twelve championship in their minds. I think OU's defense will come out ready to play on Saturday. And this doesn't need to be said, but if if Oklahoma does not come out then we have some problems. I mean, there's no question yeah. about that. There'll be some problems if for some reason OU's defense isn't ready. Yeah, and, you know, I, I would hope uh, motivation isn't something that's not going to be a factor here. They should be plenty motivated. Um, we are not We are not far removed from Baylor being, um, you know, one of the 10 most relevant programs in the entire country. Um, the, the, all, of, all of these guys on the roster right now, minus the true freshmen, you know, were, were in this program when Baylor was a really significant program. And I think that rivalry should still be there. They should be really excited to go out there and and just kind of beat them around a little bit. Um, I, at least you know, as a human being, mm-hmm. that's that's how I would be as well. So I, mm-hmm. I don't think motivation is going to be a big factor there. If they do come out flat, I think it's going to be more of um, because because of something Baylor did more so than you know OU just not being ready to play. So here's the best case scenario for Oklahoma's defense against Baylor's offense, and go ahead and fill in the gaps if there's anything that I leave out, Grant. So here's what Oklahoma needs to do defensively. Simply assignment sound football. Baylor's going to want to run it with Terrence Williams. I think that's pretty obvious. The Bears know they need to take pressure off of their quarterback, Zach Smith, which would in turn then open up some plays down the field for Smith. So the best case scenario is that the defensive line for Oklahoma continues to play strong. The linebackers read their keys, fit in the proper gaps, make tackles, and the defensive backs just continue to do what they've been doing for the, pa- the past three games. Uh, it's worth noting Baylor was one for 12 on third down against Duke. This offense is not what it used to be. So OU should play well against the Bears. And, you know, based off of what I'm seeing here against Duke, Lee, I, I just I, Duke, I think, is, is giving you a, a pretty good blueprint on how to, to really slow down this Baylor offense. Duke's a really, really aggressive defense, and I like that a lot. They're putting a lot of guys in the box. They're attacking them down uh, downhill, and they're just they're they're playing man coverage uh, on the outside because they don't think Zach Smith can fit it in the tight windows, which he's proven that he can't. Um, so so I, I would really hope that's how Oklahoma attacks them. I, I want them to be aggressive. I want them to get after Zach Smith, force him into bad decisions. Um, cause he's, he's not an accurate guy and he's, he's someone who, who will do that if you pressure him enough. Um, I, I, I think the best case scenario is this, is if they stack the box and I think they, they just first and foremost, they need to stop the run and they need to force Zach Smith to fit the ball into tight windows, which I don't think he's really prove proven that he can, that he can do at this level yet. Grant, did you see that before games Baylor likes to run the Oklahoma drill? Yeah, it's really stupid. 
That's so stupid. How dumb is that? I mean, Can you believe at the highest level of Division One college football that's happening? I mean, that's... I've never heard of that even at the high school I level. I mean, they'll, they'll stop that right away as soon as one of their best players, you know, breaks his leg or something like that before the game. That's exactly what it is. I mean, it could easily cause injuries. And, and Rule was asked about it this week, and he says that he's always done it. And, and he asked the players if they want to do it. And, of course, the players say, yeah, sure. But, I mean, it's he's the head coach. You know, you should have your guys ready to play without using a drill that promotes physicality and toughness literally minutes before kickoff. And when you're asked the players, of course, of course they're going to say they want to do yeah. it. They're dumb college kids. You're the, you're the adult head coach. And the, you, yeah. you don't even – that just shouldn't even cross your mind to do that. Yeah, I, I just don't think that that's very smart. I, I don't really, there's, it's just weird. I, I guess it's like, I, it's, I can't really go into a lot of detail on it because there's really nothing else to say about it other than it's just not sure. that smart. I, I, you know, and I guess, you know, Matt rule, you know, has forgotten more about football probably than I'll ever know, but, of, but yeah, I, same, same on my end but, too, but I, I feel pretty comfortable, you know, staying in my lane here or coming out of my lane here and saying that doing the Oklahoma drill literally 20 minutes before your game, um, against, you know, a, another another school that gives out scholarships to college football players to be good at football is probably a really bad idea. I'm, it's I, I don't feel like I'm crossing the line too much in saying that. All right, Grant, these next two questions I want us to go somewhat quickly on are two final questions we always like to ask before Oklahoma plays their next opponent. First off, what does Grant and I want to see happen? And I'll start. I want to see the OU offense run the football consistently against Baylor. The Bears have given up a lot of yards on the ground this year, and I want to see OU's offensive line control the line of scrimmage, open up holes for the running backs. Speaking of the running backs, I'm kind of curious to see if we get more of a bell cow guy in this game now that Big 12 play is here, or if Lincoln Riley continues to mix in running backs in and out throughout the game and that timeshare continues. And finally, I want to see Baker Mayfield continue his mastery of the quarterback position. Although, I want to look out for this because you brought it up last podcast i want to i want to make sure that mayfield does not have any deep underthrows in this game yeah i what about you yeah I, uh, what do you want to see i, I want to give you a, a shout out for the uh, for the comment about you know whether or not they're gonna uh, a bell cow guy is going to be more established here i think that's a really good take um not, not something i actually thought of but um you know now that i think back on it typically you know you, you definitely see a lot more ball carriers in the non-conference part of the schedule it'd be very interesting to see if we see a guy kind of take over that role um as as conference play comes in and i would expect if that's the case it would be abdul adams but you know lincoln riley you never know i guess we'll see um what i want to see happen uh, i i really do want to see the sooners come out and impose their will um, and, and that means that means you know getting up really quickly. Um, if they win the coin toss, I want them to take the ball and score really quickly the first time around, especially on the road. I want them to just to put any sort of uh, doubt um, in their minds that they could possibly have just away um, right away. Uh, on defense, I, I first and foremost, I want to see them stop the run. Um, I, I think they're they're probably going to make some plays in the passing game. Um, but I, I just don't want to see them get gashed on the ground because Baylor has been has been so poor up front. Um, they really haven't ran the ball well at all against anyone they've played. They shouldn't against Oklahoma. And and I I'd like to see just you know some some turnovers. Um, the, the defense to force some turnovers. Baylor is a team that that can and will turn the ball over, especially at their quarterback position. I, I'd really like to see them get after Zach Smith and, and and force him into some really bad throws. All right, Grant, prediction time. What will happen Saturday when Oklahoma takes on Baylor in Waco at 530? 
Um, I, I, I think offensively they're going to come out sharp. They're going to be good. Um, I, I, I do think they're going to, um, they're going to struggle on offense a little bit in the, uh, or on defense a little bit in the first half, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I think I, I just have a feeling Baylor's going to come out with some weird looks, um, you know, some weird sets that are going to confuse OU's defense. It, I, I have really no reason, um, to think that other than just, uh, just weird stuff happens on the road in conference play. Uh, this is this is a Baylor team that a lot of people are down on, um, and people probably should be down on them because they let's face it they haven't been impressive. But this is a team that still has you know a bunch of guys who are who are there under Art Bryles. Art Bryles recruited very well. Uh, Baylor's got some players. They're not they are certainly not void of talent. You know, say like a Kansas is. Um, this is, this is, these are guys, uh, there's guys on this team who have, who have won lots of games in, at, at, in college football. Um, so, so that does give me some trepidation. I I think they're going to win fairly comfortably after pulling away in the second half. Um, but I, I, I think there's going to be some questions after the game. I think a lot of people are going to be kind of nervous after the game. I think Oklahoma's offense will come out ready to go and take an early lead over Baylor. I think Baylor's defense with starters back will be confident, but since it's their first game of the year, a lot of these players coming in against an explosive offense like Oklahoma is not going to be the best way for them to start uh, getting their first game action. I think Oklahoma's going to get an early lead, and that'll aid the defense in helping stop Baylor. Then later on in the game, I think Riley will be very mindful of time of possession, something that he brought up this week or that he was asked about. He didn't like the way the time of possession was distributed against Tulane. Tulane had the ball a lot more than OU, and time of possession is important to Lincoln Riley, which... I love that. I like that, that a I, lot. I think time of possession is a very important statistic because when Oklahoma has the ball more, Oklahoma's defense gets to rest and is on the field more. So I think that's going to help out the defense in this game for Oklahoma. OU wins the game 42-14. to Yes, OU covers that 27.5-point spread. That is my take on OU and Baylor. And Do you have something else you want to add to that? I'm just going to say that as we go along this season, I, I'm never going to give a final score prediction. Um I'm going to get on my soapbox here a little bit. Predictions to me are kind of silly. I'm not a mind reader. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I can see what's happened on tape in previous weeks, and I know Oklahoma is a much better football team than Baylor. Um, when I when I predict that they're going to come out flat, it's just, it's just because I, I just have a weird feeling about it. There's no sort of you know there's no sort of equation or any logical reason why I feel that way. It's just a feeling and it's a prediction, and we do it you know for something to talk about. And um, I I, th- I think Oklahoma is a lot better than Baylor. I think they should kind of you know kind of wipe the field with them. To be honest with you, I just have a feeling that they won't. So I just wanted to explain myself a little more there. A few Big 12-related games going on this week outside of OU and Baylor. Just really quick hitters on these. Texas Tech is at Houston. Houston is six-point favorites. Interesting matchup. Both teams are unbeaten. As far as uh, from my angle, I'm kind of curious to see how Kyle Allen plays for Houston because he was at Texas A&M while I was at Texas A&M covering the Aggies. And so far, I think he's played pretty well for the Cougars starting at quarterback. And then Texas Tech has played really well. What's their what's their starter's name? I already forgot. Is, uh, uh, Nick Schimanek. Nick Shimanek, yeah, and he's he's like the number one passer, like in the nation he's or been something good. like that. Which typical Texas Tech uh, early season stats. So that'll be an interesting matchup. I'm not, I don't really have anything else to add on that one. I'm just curious to see what happens in that game. <laughs> that, that's the same thing too. Texas Tech and Houston both have only played two games uh, because of Hurricane Harvey. Um, I'm th- this is one of those things where it's so early in the season and we just don't know enough about either of these teams yet. I think based off of pedigree and you know. And, 
you know, the last couple of years, Houston probably should win this game. Um, but I don't think it would be any sort of major shock if Texas Tech just threw the ball all around the house and, and won. Um, but yeah, this is one of the things where we're going to know a lot more about Texas Tech after this game. Um, they just, we just haven't seen enough of them to really know exactly, you know, how they're going to come out. Two other Big 12 only games. West Virginia travels to KU to play the Jayhawks. Look for West Virginia to win that game probably easily. They're uh, 22 and a half point favorites. Not going to spend much time on that one. And then the big one, TCU at Oklahoma State at 2.30 on Saturday. And as far as I'm concerned, this is the biggest game in college football this weekend. There's another one, uh, Georgia and Mississippi State is a big game if you're in SEC country. But TCU and Oklahoma State super interesting. Last I looked, it's a 14-point spread, Oklahoma State, as home favorites against the number 16 team in the country. I'm surprised it's that high, to be honest with you. However, I think Oklahoma State's going to cover. I'm just surprised it's that high because that means that a lot of money has been coming in on the Cowboys because I think it opened at like Oklahoma State minus 11. So a lot of people high on the Cowboys, Grant. Yeah, and I, you know they've... Um, they really haven't played anybody yet up to this point in time. I know they beat Pitt last week, but Pitt is terrible. Um, and, you know, they, I think Oklahoma State made Pitt look worse than Pitt really actually is. I, I watched quite a bit of their game against Penn State the week before, and uh, Pitt is, is – is, Pitt was in that game until like the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, Penn State played really Penn State's very uh, underwhelming. Pitt's, Pitt's offense is, is so bad. It's so bad. Um, they, they, they graduated a lot of guys. It, it's crazy. Pitt – uh, Pitt probably had a top five offense in all of college football last year. Uh, they graduated virtually everyone off of that offense. Um, their their off their old offensive coordinator Matt Matt Canada left. Um, he's at LSU now. Um, I Pitt Pitt's bad, and I know we're, we're supposed to be talking about Ohio State TCU, but I just I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but that's uh, Oklahoma State and TCU. What did I say? You said Ohio State. Oh well, you know they're both OSU, so. Um, but no, I, that's, it's, it's not Oklahoma state's fault that Pitt's terrible. Um, Oklahoma state did exactly what they're supposed to do to a terrible team on the road. They destroyed them. Um, they were impressive in destroying them. I'm not, they, they looked good. So I, I, I think they're, I think they're deserving of their number six ranking. Um, I'm, I'm still on a, uh, on a wait and see everyone pump the brakes a little bit, um, sort of attitude towards Oklahoma state though. TCU, not all that impressive against SMU, I got to say, on Saturday. That's why I'm, I'm pretty confident Oklahoma State is going to be able to cover this spread. Um, let's pick this game, Grant. This is not going to be part of our, our our five picks, but we'll just pick this one. I'm going to take the Cowboys. I'm assuming you probably will as yeah, well. Yeah, I'll take Oklahoma State. I, I just think um, I, I'd be shocked if TCU wins this game. His, I'll be, I'll be yeah, honest with for you. His, for as kind of iffy as I am on Oklahoma State as a program, I think Mike Gundy's a great coach, um, and he, he, he typically has – has his team ready to play in situations like this. I think Oklahoma State's going to play really well. They'll probably beat them by a couple scores, I would guess. Time for the top 10. Grant and I will name our top 10 teams in the country. We'll go back and forth, starting at number 10. I will give my number 10 team. Then Grant will give his number 10 team. And then we'll go 9, 8, 7, so, uh, so on and so forth. Grant, I'll start. My number 10 team this week, week four of college football, is the Michigan Wolverines. Didn't look very impressive once again as they beat Air Force. That game was tied at halftime, I think at six. Didn't get a chance to watch much of it. It looked like Michigan did did their job after halftime, but Michigan continues continues to underwhelm me. I have them at number 10. Okay. 
Uh, my number 10 team is Mississippi State. They destroyed LSU 37-7 to on Saturday. Um, I, you know, I, I would say that we still have a lot to learn about Mississippi State. We'll learn a lot this week when they go to Athens to play Georgia. Um, uh, basically, Mississippi State, they've, they, they have one of the more impressive wins just in how they, how they won uh, of any team of the entire country this year. It's it's you know we're, this is the third poll or three weeks into the season there's no harm in putting mississippi state in the top 10 we don't know a ton about them but we might as well throw them in there because they looked really good against lsu yes they did yeah. give us your number nine uh, my number nine team lee is washington just because we don't really know a lot about them um i yeah i i talked about them last week jake browning is limited but they they have they have some really good talent on defense and, and at the skill positions Washington is also my number nine team, so we are the same on the Huskies. At number eight, I will put Oklahoma State at number eight. And last week, I don't know if I mentioned on my podcast, I wrote an article, a column about Oklahoma State. I know they're ranked number six right now in the AP poll, but I also am taking a wait-and-see approach as far as the Oklahoma State defense and offense. As, as long, until I see Mason Rudolph play exceptional against a, an upper tier or a nice defense and until i see oklahoma state's defense stay firm consistently against decent competition i'm going to kind of keep them at the bottom part of the top 10 so that's why i have oklahoma state at eight i also have oklahoma state at eight lee i you know i'll concede i think they've looked really good they they look they look like a top 10 team they look maybe like a top a top five team uh, but their schedule has been soft. Pitt's really bad. Um, so I, I'm not going to give them too much credit. Yes, you've that. covered that. And yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm still on a wait and see. I, I have no problem with bumping up Oklahoma State if they continue to look good like this. All right. Who do you have at number seven? My number seven team lead is Ohio State. Um, but I, I am going to kind of throw this out there. I think Ohio State is better um, than numbers four through six I have on my list. But I'll because they have a loss, I have them at seven. See, that's how I do my list. I do my list based on who I think will win these games, and that's why I have Oklahoma State behind my number seven team, who I have it, even though we don't know a whole lot about them, and this is kind of on a whim, but I still have Florida State at number seven. I had the Seminoles there last week. Still haven't played a game since since they played Alabama because of hurricane, all the hurricane stuff. Finally, Florida State will play NC State this week, so we'll see if, if me having them at seven is crazy or if the Seminoles are able to still look like a pretty darn good team, even though DeAndre Francois is out. Uh, Lee, don't be afraid if Florida State loses that game. Just want to throw it out there. I, I was right in my game that I threw out last week about, you know, don't be surprised if this happens. Um, I, I believe it was the uh, – what game was it? It was Mississippi State over LSU. It was LSU. Mississippi State over LSU. So there we go. Right after you put yep. LSU in the top yes. ten. Yes, and so this is my uh, that that's my game. Kind of hedge your, kind of hedge your that's bet. That's my there. game this week. It's I, I don't have the balls to to actually call for an upset, but don't be surprised if it happens. So did you say your number seven team? Uh, yes, Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State. Okay, so we're down to number six, and I think I'm up. So my number six team is Penn State, and I'm they had a nice win. They beat Georgia State by a, a million points and pitched a shutout but i'm still not sold on penn state but at the same time i still have the nittany lines at yep. six um at six i have usc um i think they've been unimpressive in two of their three games um i i think we've uh they got a lot of credit for for beating stanford and i gave them a lot of credit for beating stanford uh stanford lost to san diego state this past weekend so stanford may not be as as good as we think um i now that i'm actually like reading this list out i i don't really know why i have usc um at six i I feel like they should be more of a fringe top ten team on my poll, but you know, I I still think they have. There's always yeah, next week. I, I, I still think they have, um, you know, a lot of good talent on the offensive side of the ball. Sam Darnold is really good despite the turnovers. All right, so that was six. Who do you have at number five? My number five right? team is Penn State. Um, I'm still incredibly skeptical about them. 
Um, but they they have been impressive. They've 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 taken care of business. They've they've blown out all of the patsies that they've played. They didn't look great against Pitt. Um, you know, it's a rivalry game. Weird stuff happens. But in the other two games, they've been very impressive. At number five, I have Ohio State, and simply because I think Ohio State would is better than Penn State, better than Florida State, better than Oklahoma State, I, I, and based on I think they would win these games. Same with Washington. Even though Ohio State has a loss, I think the Buckeyes would would win in all of those games if they were matched up against teams behind them on my top 10 to number four i have usc and simply i have usc there because apparently every other week usc looks really good and this upcoming week is the the other week and they're supposed to look really darn good we'll see we'll see they have a potentially tough game at cal if usc looks kind of like garbage again then they'll probably be out of my top 10 pretty quick yeah it's the same here they're very underwhelming kind of the same way you same thing you were saying so who's yes. your number 14 okay uh, my num- my number four team, Lee, is Michigan. And if you remember last week, I am very high on Michigan just because I'm very high on on, uh, on Harbaugh. I think he's great. I, I really like Harbaugh. Um, and you know why Michigan above Penn State, USC? Um, I, I think Michigan, if they play tomorrow, I think Michigan would beat both those teams. I think both those teams would probably struggle to move the ball on them. Um, I, I think Michigan's defense is that good. Um, I, I think their staff is is that competent. Where I, I think they're going to make anyone they play one dimensional, and I think that would be really bad for you know the two teams directly ahead of them or uh, behind them, USC and Penn State. All right, who do you have at number three, Grant? Oklahoma is my number three team. Um, I I will uh, I'll talk more about why uh, they they moved back one spot in my poll when we get to the next uh, the next team. Yeah, I have Oklahoma at three as well. I got to say, and and I think our, our top three is the same. Uh, you, you have Clemson at two. I have Clemson at two as well. And Clemson, man, I, I whiffed on pre, preseason Clemson. They're not going to be as good as last year because Deshaun Watson's not not playing for Clemson. But uh, Kelly Bryant sure looks like he's pretty good, and he'll only get better as the season goes on, and, and they dominated Louisville. Kelly Bryant, at, at the very worst, is a is a serviceable passer who can run. Um, and he runs effectively. Um, I, I, I'm still a little bullish on him as a passer. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, once he plays a team like Florida State or, or another team with a good defense, if he struggles. Louisville's defense is really not all that great. Um, no, so I think really Louisville, yeah. Louisville's not, not that great all around anyways, uh, quite frankly. Clemson it too. I, I just think... I, I think Clemson's defense is really good, and I, Dabo Sweeney is is proving to be a hell of a coach. I, he's, so a, I, he's, a, he's the second best coach in college football behind yeah, Saban now. Yeah, he's better. I, he's better than he's better than Urban Meyer at this point. He yeah. just he's surpassed him. Clemson is is building a reputation, obviously not on Alabama's level, but but to the point where they should be respected almost just as much as Alabama up there. So that's why I'm going to put Clemson number two. And, of course, Grant and I each have Alabama at number one. No need to talk about the Crimson Tide. Uh, interesting matchup at Vanderbilt this week, but I anticipate Alabama to cover that spread. Same. Let's go to the picks. Grant, well done last week, 5-0. and Undefeated last week. I went 4-1, and so both of us had pretty good weeks. Uh, you had a better week than me, technically. Season, we're each 10-5, and so we have the same exact record. Really quick picks. we got to go as fast as possible. Yep. NC State, Florida State. I'm going to take Florida State. I will also take Florida State. Um, I know I said that it's a potential upset, and I'll stick with maybe a potential upset. So give me all of the credit if NC State wins. Just but hedging the heck out of it. Just yeah, hedging big time. Yeah, but I'm but I'm still going to take Florida State. Uh, USC at Cal. The Trojans are 16.5-point favorites, and I'm just basing it off of the trend where they didn't play very well last week. I think USC bounces back and plays a lot better at Cal. I think the Trojans win. Uh, same here. I, I think they'll... 
I think they'll probably look kind of weird, but they'll they'll cover the spread. Mississippi State at Georgia, two teams that I haven't seen a whole lot of. Have seen a lot more Mississippi State because I watched the LSU game. LSU looked just like a like a team. I mean, it was weird. Uh, but man, it's tough for me to pick Mississippi State to win a game against a tough opponent two weeks in a row with Georgia being at home. I, I don't love this. Don't love this pick, but I'm going to take Georgia. Yeah. And this is one of those games where, where any result is just not going to surprise me at all. This is one of those games where I'm just going to kind of yeah, watch. That's a good point. It's just going to, I'm just going to watch to see what happens. And, and just to go against you, I'll, I'll, I'll take Mississippi state. I put this game in here because I find it interesting because both of us are kind of down on Penn state. Penn state travels, to Iowa City to play Iowa. Now, the Nittany Lions are 12.5-point favorites. I'm not sure if Iowa's any good. The Hawkeyes probably aren't. Uh, I'm going to take Penn State just because they probably are going to be able to beat Iowa just on talent alone, but I'm curious to see what happens in this game. I'm going to take Penn State. Um, they're that's one of those games where I, I still think Iowa athletically is still pretty questionable on the back end on defense. So I think Penn state's going to probably be able to exploit that. Um, but I think I was going to give them a hell of a game. I was going to cover the spread. It's a night game at Kinnick. It, it's going to be pretty crazy. I think Penn state's probably going to struggle for, for at least a couple quarters. And finally, Washington at Colorado is Colorado any good this year, Grant? Well, so everyone kind Have of seen them they, play. Yeah, I, I saw them play a little bit in I mean, Colorado. They were good State. last year, but they lost. They lost Sefo. They lost Sefo Lufau, and now yeah. he's a famous hard knocks guy. Kind uh, of. Sefo. That was my Jameis Winston that? impersonation. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I just to go real quick on this. I, I actually I think Washington's gonna gonna beat them up pretty bad. I, I'm I, I wasn't impressed with Colorado really at all last year when they won ten games. Um, also, I, they haven't really been. I haven't really been challenged this year. Um, other than that, I, I, I think Washington's still a good team. I, I think they're going to go into uh, to Boulder and win fairly comfortably. I will take Washington as well just because I don't have the guts to take Colorado. And mainly, I'm just not feeling Colorado after the way they ended the season last year, getting embarrassed by Oklahoma State. Uh, although, I will say Colorado did win a game earlier this year against Colorado State, I believe, where I picked against them. So, but that if also- I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Also, that was a rivalry game, and it was I think the final score of that game was seventeen to three, which which leads me to believe <laughs> it was just a super weird game. And, and I those weird games, I feel like you can just throw them out. I, I think Washington's gonna get a handle them pretty easily. All right, Grant, we've gone way too long on this podcast, but I think we got a lot of good OU Baylor stuff in. So, do you listening out there enjoy OU versus Baylor this Saturday? Grant and I will be back next week with full reaction for Grant. I am Lee. This is West of Everest.